Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You ever wondered what it's like to host a debate? That's a good question. I would say it's a lot of work. Politico's New York City bureau chief, Sally Goldenberg, knows pretty well. Every little thing and every big thing that happened changed the script of the debate. I'm going to follow the rules. Can he please adhere to the rules that you set up today? She hosted the first mayoral debate between Democrat Eric Adams and Republican Curtis Sliwa on Wednesday, and things got interesting. What did we do to the teachers? What did we do to the healthcare workers? We cheered them at night at seven. Then all of a sudden we decided, de Blasio, who has supported Eric Adams here, they've been a team, that all of a sudden they would lose their jobs. And it's also really important to be ready for how they may act in a way that, like, we, you know, we have to kind of discipline them. Uh, Mr. Adams, if you wanted to quickly respond to what Mr. Slewa said. No, I don't want to respond. Please, I put my life on the line. I've been shot, stabbed, beaten in order to provide safety. Slewa, I need to wrap you up. I'll give you up. When he was playing cop, I was on the subway system, right in that system during the mid-80s when crime was high. So there's a lot of prep to anticipate how they will act. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, debate night through the eyes of a moderator. It is a little nerve-wracking. You know, I'm on stage with people who are accustomed to being on TV. So mm-hmm. it, it, I can't speak for them, but I imagine it was probably less so. Yeah. Um, as a print reporter, you know, nobody watches my interviews. They just see the result at the end. So if I stumble over a word or if I have, you know, a 15-minute chit-chat before an interview with a politician that's just kind of small talk to get everybody warmed up. The audience never, or, you know, the readers in in my case, never see that. So having to do it on TV is, yeah, I, f- I find it nerve-wracking. I mean, it's a little exhilarating, you know, you really have to get it right. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a different medium. So Wednesday night, you're doing this. New York is watching you as you're putting questions to the two candidates, Democrat Eric Adams, who's basically presumed at this point to to be on track to become mayor, given how democratic the city is. And then the Republican candidate, Curtis Sliwa. Um, give me the quick rundown of who these candidates are and what we should know about the state of the race at this point, sort of like heading into, you know, your debate on Wednesday night. Sure. So I'll start with Eric Adams. As you mentioned, he is the odds on favorite to win. New York City voters uh, are overwhelmingly registered as Democrats. And of course, people can cross the aisle in a general election, but he's heavily favored to win this election. Mm -hmm. He's 61 years old. He is the Brooklyn Borough President, which is a job that has a pretty big bully pulpit and a pretty small amount of, you know, charter mandated responsibility. So it's a good position from which to run. Um, but the thing I think Eric Adams is really known for and certainly something he amplified this year is that he was a police captain in the NYPD. People always introduce me as a former police captain. Uh, but the uniqueness of this moment, uh, I call it Esther 4 and 14th. God made me for such a time like this. I was arrested. I was assaulted by police officers. Yeah. I didn't say, woe is me. I said, why not me? I became a police officer. I understand crime, and I also understand police abuse. He founded an organization internally that, you know, aimed, among other things, to diversify the ranks of the NYPD. And he did rise to the rank of captain, which is 
you know, obviously a, a high position. Eric Adams has kind of a a boisterous and an almost eccentric side to him. Um, and that puts him on a stage with Curtis Lewa, who is, I mean, if Eric Adams has kind of an eccentric personality, Curtis Lewa, I would say, has that in, you know, in spades. I can go into neighborhoods where the only Republican people I've ever seen is Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill. I, I have cred, street cred. Bloomberg, with his billions of dollars, if he had spent couldn't buy street cred. You buy street cred the hard way. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've bled in the streets of New York City. And people know I've been there for 42 years for them. He's a real New York personality. I mean, the thing everybody obviously knows, he wears the red beret and he is a member of the Guardian Angels, which you don't really see in the streets of New York now, you know, as it as you would have, you know, 30 years ago. But it's basically like a nonprofit organization that was was and is um, intended to kind of battle crime on subways and on New York City streets. That's, I mean, that is the thing everybody knows Curtis for. And he wore the red beret at the debate on Wednesday evening. And he's very proud of that. I've earned the trust of New Yorkers. Just follow me in the streets and subways. I'm there. Are there any moments that like really stuck out to you from your perspective as as the person who's who's putting questions to these two? I would say, you know, there were a couple of moments. I, there were no major fireworks, which there could have been between these two people. They don't like each other. They're pushing each other's buttons. I thought Eric Adams very clearly was kind of annoyed or peeved that he was even on this stage with this guy. He called him a buffoon or he said something like, mm. I'm not speaking to his buffoonery, something like that. So, you know, his he his demeanor, he, he was calm, but his demeanor it was very clear that he did not want to be in this situation. Um, there were a couple of like moments where I thought Curtis Lewa, I don't know if the punches landed, but he really took some swings. You know, he raised some issues about... Eric Adams not being forthcoming about where he went on vacation this summer and actually Politico broke that it was to Monaco, which is like a really fancy place on the French Riviera. And so that became a story. Eric Adams spent more time on vacation in Monaco. Okay. Who goes okay. to okay. Monaco? We have to move we have to, the famous we have to and you, right, you, That you. had to be dragged out of you that you went to Monaco while I was standing with the correctional officers in protest of their you. conditions outside of Rikers Island. Thank you very much. There have been a number of stories in Politico and elsewhere about Eric Adams' residence. It's probably too long a story to get into now, but there have been questions about his primary residence that Curtis raised um, that I thought was intended to show the audience. Like, we don't really know everything about this guy. I, I, I stay at my brownstone. I live in Brooklyn. That's my primary residence. I'll spend time in, in Borough Hall because sometimes I work to four or five at night. I put my feet up on the desk like I did when I was in a precinct. Uh, but that's my primary residence. I don't jot down the number of days I'm there. But that's All where right. I lay my head. Um, and that stuck out to me. And in turn, Eric saying he's a buffoon, like he made up crimes. He's standing here with this red beret acting, you know, nutty, like I'm the serious one. That was kind of my takeaway. Was there anything that you think really changes the dynamic of the race here, given that it, it looks so likely that Eric Adams is going to be the next mayor of New York? Did anything change that? On Wednesday night? No, not really. Eric Adams didn't make any mistakes. And I don't think Curtis, I, I think 
probably if you tuned in Wednesday night and knew absolutely nothing about Eric Adams, you might have a less flattering opinion of him than you would have, you know, if you just had a one-on-one interview with him because he's on a debate stage with somebody who, you know, is a pretty skilled debater mm-hmm. and definitely took some pretty big swings. And, you know, that's true. But I think people know, you know, people know who Eric Adams is. And I don't think this is, I didn't think the debate really will change the outcome very much. Hmm. Well, that kind of gets to the other thing I'm curious about here is what is the point of a debate in this situation, especially, you know, from your perspective as someone up there who's who's putting questions to them? What is the point of a debate when it, it's so clear that one of the candidates is going to be the person who is elected? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we live in a democracy and nothing is sure. And it's we owe it to the voters as journalists to give them the maximum amount of information. I think it would be really undemocratic for journalists in the city's campaign finance board to say, well, this guy's obviously going to win. Let's pack it in. Like democracy is about, you know, present our role in democracy is about presenting to voters as much information as possible so that they can make an informed decision. And the best way to do that, I mean, you can, there are a number of ways we do interviews, we do constant stories. um, But I think that you, you really can't, replicate or match the impact of having these two people on stage together. Hmm. And, you know, you can you can see the contrasts or you can see the similarities, because, frankly, Eric Adams and Curtis Sliwa on a number of issues have pretty similar views, certainly on, you know, on some of the criminal justice issues. They might say they don't. But if you're a voter and you're kind of looking at this, you know, from a remove you know, Eric Adams is a relatively moderate Democrat. Curtis Lee was is not a Trump Republican. So, you know, I think showing voters the contrast or similarities is really important and letting them question each other raises things that, you know, just sort of happen organically that wouldn't happen in just a one-on-one interview. Sally Goldenberg, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today, the Federal Reserve says it'll ban top officials from trading in individual stocks and bonds as part of a major overhaul of conflict of interest rules at the central bank in the wake of recent trading scandals. Under the new rules, Fed policymakers and senior staff will be prohibited from active trading and will be able to purchase only diversified investment vehicles like mutual funds. Revelations last month that Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan and Boston President Eric Rosengren actively traded in stocks and real estate assets while the central bank was engaged in an extensive rescue of financial markets led both men to resign. And... Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling for a special legislative session to block the Biden administration's vaccine mandates, taking the most aggressive action yet in his ongoing fight with the White House over COVID restrictions. The GOP governor has built a national reputation fighting against coronavirus-related lockdowns and mandates. During a news conference on Thursday, he argued that a special session will yield a set of protections that will prevent Biden's vaccine mandates from being enacted in Florida and saying, quote, I think we have to go stand up for people's jobs and their livelihoods. DeSantis did not announce a date for the session. 
Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Politico Dispatch production team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>